Welcome to the Farm Team Podcast, presented by HockeyAI.tech. I'm your host, Elliot Sheen. I'd like to take this opportunity to acknowledge that this episode was recorded in Calgary, Alberta, on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Nations, which includes the Siksika, the Pekani, the Kainai, and we also acknowledge the Sutina and Stony Nakoda First Nations, the Métis Nation, and all the people who make their homes in the Treaty 7 region of Southern Alberta. Thank you. In today's episode of the Farm Team Podcast, I'm honored to be joined by Kenzie Grafton. Kenzie comes from one of the most athletically gifted families in all of Southern Alberta. Born and raised in the picture-perfect town of Pitcher Butte, Alberta, where she developed as a multi-sport athlete before dedicating herself full-time to the sport of volleyball. Throughout her athletic journey, Kenzie was awarded numerous personal and team accolades, and in 2010, she graduated from St. Francis Xavier University, located in Antigonish, Nova Scotia. As she progressed through competitive sports and earned herself an athletic and academic scholarship to St. FX, she will be the first to tell you that through all the successes she's had, it did not come without its hardships. But like any true athlete, she was able to turn those trials into triumphs and has recently launched the Clean by Kenzie platform, which is a business focused on female empowerment, physical well-being, and mental health. Kenzie's athletic, academic, and life experiences have provided her with an incredible opportunity to educate the next generation of student-athletes on the importance of self-care and the positive impact it can have in a team environment. She's here today to impart her knowledge and wisdom on the experience of a female athlete, and I look forward to learning more about how sports have shaped the person she is today. So, Kenzie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. That's quite the intro. I'm flattered. Thank you. Yeah, it's kind of cool to hear, like, kind of go back to those days of, you know, the college time and, and all oh, that. So, yeah. Totally. And I want to, um, you know, start with complimenting you on your platform as well. I really think what you're doing is really important. So, yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I look to you as, a, as my now my second uh, female guest on the show. I had my sister on the first time, talked about volleyball. So, uh, you know, I'm honored again to have you on. And uh, we grew up, we can kind of get into that a bit here, but we uh, grew up and graduated high school together. And that was kind of like the last time we both kind of went on our separate way, athletic journeys, I guess. So it's cool to, you know, fast forward 15 years later, we can kind of go over those things. So. Yeah, it's crazy how fast time flies. And it's been great to um, reconnect with you. I know that, yeah, we definitely, you know, in leaving high school, you kind of go your separate ways. But we ran into each other at actually a family function. What was it? Maybe like a year and a half ago. Yeah, and it was about a, nice yeah. Catch up and yeah, hear about what you're doing. So that's funny. Hey, like it's, we're at, for the audience kind of catch them up. But we were at my, well, my cousins in my aunt's house. And uh, you ended up marrying uh my well my cousins your step <laughs> we're married, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a complicated married into the same family the grafton i am yeah we're related through a through a family and through marriage at this point somehow so yeah <laughs> oh that's awesome yeah so yeah obviously you're in calgary now uh yeah are you enjoying the big city is it, is it first yeah, how many been years have you been here since um 2013 and um i moved here from vancouver so i spent um, obviously, four years out in Annie Ganesh, Nova Scotia, um, I completed my undergrad degree at CNFX. Yep. And then I moved out to Vancouver for a couple years. I was just trying to kind of sort out what I wanted to do at that point. Um, I wanted to, I, I did enroll in a master, sorry, a diploma um, in counseling, uh, psychology. My undergraduate degree is in psychology. And then from there, um, I moved to Calgary in 2013, and I've been here ever since, so... 
Awesome. Do you, do you enjoy Calgary? I'm liking it. Yeah. I yeah. think this is home for the foreseeable future. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I fall in love with Calgary. I mean, growing up in Lethbridge, it's Calgary's always that big city, but after you kind of leave for a little bit and come back, you realize, you know, what the, the culture is all about and the community kind of thing like that. So I, I really enjoy living in Calgary now. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So kind of what I, one of the topics I want to start introducing into this show, and I think it's extremely important is uh, like family first kind of thing. So let's kind of, let's start with your family. And obviously I mentioned incredibly gifted athletes uh, and you guys are from Pitcher Butte. That's right. So um, born and raised small town girl. Um, I grew up on an acreage just outside of Picture Butte and um, that's where I attended elementary school. And then obviously our paths crossed when I made the move from my elementary to high school in Lethbridge and we attended Catholic Central High School. So um, yeah, my, I have an older sister and two younger brothers. Um, my older sister has been very involved with volleyball as well from a young age. So she's been a real uh, role model in my life in terms of athletics and that type of thing. Um, we both uh, started playing club volleyball around uh, the grade seven mark, I think, or maybe it was, how old are you in grade seven? 13? Yeah, so that sounds about right. Yeah, so we both started playing volleyball then, and then by grade nine, we were both playing um, club volleyball. So that was through the Lethbridge Volleyball Club, mm -hmm. um, LVC. And that's when, um, at least for myself, I started getting a little bit more competitive with the sport. We both also played basketball. Um, I should preface, uh, you know, that with we're both six foot one, and yeah. so we were, <laughs> I mean, pretty much a shoe in for the sports teams at that young of an age. Um, and then we both chose volleyball. Um, I can't speak for my sister, but it just really spoke to me in terms of, I'm not really a contact sport person. Yeah. Um, I just found the, the technicality of it. It's kind of like a game of angles. I thought it was just really fun. And um, yeah, so it was kind of grade nine, 10 that I started to get a lot more competitive and take it a little bit more seriously. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's kind of the time where your commute into Lethbridge is, pretty much it's a full-time job at that point. I'm sure your parents are running around like crazy with, with four of you playing sports. Yeah. Yeah. So it was pretty crazy. Um, our household was pretty hectic for a while there. We, I have two younger brothers, as I'd mentioned, and they were very heavily involved with the Lethbridge soccer center and the Lethbridge um, soccer team is called the Cosmos and they were yeah. um, very involved with sports that way and both very gifted athletes as well. So um, yeah, it was pretty crazy for a while there. Eventually, um, you know, in grade 10, my sister and I both got got our driver's license and we could yeah. start taking ourselves to practices and whatnot. But the trip to Lethbridge is about, um, from Picture Butte, is about 15, 20 minutes. So yeah, it was a lot of driving back and forth. We'll put it that way. Yeah, I guess it's not too bad when you think about commutes in Calgary too. So that's right. It's so, just a little more open road, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, there was a time there, um, honestly, and my parents could probably tell you more about this, but there was a time where my sister and I were both more or less involved in volleyball year, year round and my brothers were involved in soccer year round. So, you know, every weekend, one kid was in a different city, whether that be Edmonton, Calgary, Lethbridge, like all over the place at tournaments and whatnot. So it was hectic, but it was really fun. Absolutely. And I imagine there's quite a few, uh, your support system was a lot, was pretty big back then to kind of manage, you know, when your parents did need help to shuttle someone around, they, they could rely on a few people. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
the beauty of playing on, you know, team sports is that you make so many friends and um, a perk for your parents is that they make really good friends with families and other, you know, parents on the team. So that was always an option in terms of if we had to go with a friend. Um, my sister and I did, for the most part, um, early on, play on a few of the same teams. So that was nice because we could travel together um, as well. But so, yeah, the support system was really important back then as well. My parents were amazing there. You know, throughout it all, there was never you know, a missed game, a missed, yeah. we always felt supported and, and they were awesome in that way. So. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's critically important. I think, especially for anyone going through that youth sport thing, it's about, you know, just showing up and make sure that the kid or their kid can, is ready to play and, you know, has all the resources they need to succeed. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So getting into, uh, obviously you played multiple sports that definitely had an impact on you know, the way you developed as an athlete. Uh, but getting into volleyball, obviously it's a full-time commitment for a school sport, but then also you mentioned um, you joined the, the Lethbridge Volleyball Club and the club team. So it became a year-round thing for you at that point. Um, you know, going into it, obviously you're excited. You know, it's a sport that you can do full-time. Uh, what was your, your kind of um, thought, I guess, going into that process at that young age? Full of excitement, I imagine? Absolutely. At that time, it was all-encompassing and it's – really all that mattered to me it was my full life so um yeah uh i guess um when you progressed or once i progressed to playing um for the lethbridge volleyball club at that point you'd play your high school um season would be sort of september to december january and then club volleyball would start january and go till about may and then um Throughout uh, grade, after grade 10, as well as um, after grade 11, I also played for Team Alberta, um, which would happen um, sort of July to the, the next August. So I'd move away for the summers and play for Team Alberta. So yeah, it became a year long. Um, you know, I was dedicating my life to it essentially year round, uh, which was exciting. I mean, I feel like when you're that age, you have the energy to do that. And it's just like, you're just kind of following it through and it's really exciting. So Oh, I hear you. Yeah. And it's all new experiences for you. And, you know, it's, you're playing extremely competitive volleyball too. So you're right up there with some of the top athletes in the, in the province at that point you can kind of measure where you are uh, physically and um, just overall uh, athletically um, in, in the recruiting pool. So it's Absolutely. pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, it was a great experience um, in terms of also playing for um, club volleyball. You meet so many new people in the same city as you. Uh, not necessarily in your school and then when you play team Alberta you are exposed to the top athletes from teams all over Alberta so yeah it was really incredible um just in terms of meeting people and you know developing your social circle and and getting better because you're playing with some of the top athletes in the province as well for sure and then, so at what point did you kind of realize like you're a gifted athlete and you're playing with some of the best um and what was that kind of eye-opening experience like for you that's a great question. Um, I think the first, uh, well, first in, in um, high school, our high school team was uh, a 4A tier. So that's, um, from what I can remember, that's sort of the, the bigger high schools within the province. And in grade um, 11 and in grade 12, we won provincials. So, I mean, right there. CCH, that, right? Yeah, it was CCH, yeah, yeah. right? So right there, um, that was huge for both our school as well as our team. Um, 
you get a lot of exposure to various scouts and that type of thing through winning provincials. Yep. Um, we had really gifted teams two years in a row, um, great coaching staff, and quite frankly, just a lot of really tall gals that were really <laughs> gifted athletes. So that is one way that, you know, you kind of know that you're excelling at a sport. Um, in terms of our club teams, I did play for two really great club teams. Um, sorry, my dog. No. Um, I did play for two really good club teams. Um, and throughout the, uh, the process of playing with the club teams, I started to get approached by scouts. Mm -hmm. um, so this was um, sort of around the, you know, the ages of 16, 17, when you're in grade 11 and 12. Um, and I guess for me, the way that I realized that I was maybe excelling more at the sport is because the, uh, the scouts would be pulling me aside from my team after in between games, emailing me um, outside of tournaments. And then um, also within that time, I can't remember specifically what time of year it was or when I went on these uh, trips, but I was also scouted to play for essentially a recruiting team out of the Volley Dome in Calgary. And this was a team um, that was made up of girls from across Canada. And it was sort of the top player from each club team. So I was also recruited for that, as well as being recruited to try out for Team Alberta. So all of those things combined, I was kind of like, yeah, I think like, you know, I'm doing okay at, at the sport. Yeah, awesome. And I mean, the getting those, the getting approached by scouts, especially at that young age, and now it's making a, it's, it's a real thing that you can go forward after high school and continue playing volleyball. Yeah, totally. It's at that point that your um, horizons, you know, you kind of start to broaden your sight, I guess, in terms of where it's going. So yeah. when you're starting to speak with scouts and starting to really talk about what, you know, your career looks like after high school and after club volleyball, it starts to become real and really exciting at the same time. For sure. And so all the excitement was, and it's good now you can kind of look in hindsight. Was there anything that in, like a gut feeling that you had or an instinct that you thought about that kind of like prevented you from wanting to go to the next level or made it a little bit more daunting for you in, in that sense? Um, there wasn't anything that, you know, would have made me not want to play um, at a post-secondary or university level. I think at that point it was just really exciting. I think yeah. um, the process of speaking with um, scouts and going on recruiting trips um, at that time is, is a little bit anxiety inducing, I would say. And I think a lot for, um, someone of that age to deal with. Um, so I think that a support system is necessary with, in that regard. Um, but yeah, I never had any hesitation about wanting to play, um, at the post-secondary level. Yeah. It's just, you're full of excitement and just, you know, yeah. wherever a good opportunity comes, it's a great opportunity for you. Um, yeah. so in terms of the recruiting in, for volleyball, obviously getting on those travel teams and those showcase tournaments that you had, it was a great opportunity for you and winning. I mean, you can't beat winning. Uh, what was the, was there any difference in uh, Canadian schools versus American schools? And was there interest south of the border for you? Yeah, there was. So um, the recruiting trips that I took through the Volley Dome in Lethbridge, or sorry, in Calgary, um, are really what exposed me to um, more American-based universities and schooling options. Um, we had one uh, specific tournament that we went to that was in Reno, Nevada, actually. And it was just a massive tournament. Like there was thousands of teams. And um, ironically enough, that is where I was exposed to the scout 
um, from the university that I ended up going to at St. FX. So through that recruiting team and process, I was exposed to a Canadian university, which is ironic, but I was definitely in talks with different um, American universities um, as well as Canadian. Um, ultimately, I decided to stay in Canada. Just, I think maybe um, I was a little intimidated by moving south of the border. I did have a couple of uh, colleagues and girls that had tried it out and had not the greatest experiences with um, volleyball in the States. So I just kind of thought to myself, you know, maybe I'll just instead pick the farthest away university in Canada that I can possibly pick. So, so that's what I ended up doing. I went on one recruiting trip out to um, St. FX and after that I was basically sold. Um, I think I went out there in uh, April, the year before I I uh, actually moved out there and it actually um, surprisingly enough has a very American university feel to it. Uh, so there's kind of like a uh, through the residences there's kind of like a dormitory sorority fraternity type feel. It's very small and um, another huge perk for me was that I was offered a starting position on their team whereas um, the American universities that I was speaking to, I would have had to redshirt for a year, possibly sit out, and that wasn't appealing to me at the time. So that's how I ultimately ended up at St. FX. Yeah, it's kind of a funny situation, like when you're playing and a star on the team, and then a team's like, you know, probably redshirt you for the first year. Because there's, you know, at that point with the different grades and uh, classes that they have, they have to shuffle that lineup around. So they want to get good talent, but at the same time, it's a, a fine line they walk for uh, filling their roster spots. So was that the first time out for, in uh, the Maritimes for you when you were out there? Yeah, um, I think, I don't even know if I had visited the Maritimes before that recruiting trip. So that, yeah, that was the first time that I'd been um, exposed to out east and the Eastern universities play as uh, in the AUS is what their league is called out there, which is the Atlantic University sport. Yep. Um, so yeah, essentially all the Eastern provinces compete against each other and then the best ones from there will move on to compete against the rest of Canada and nationals and whatever else. But yeah, yeah that was my first time out there and I absolutely fell in love with it. So it was the good, it was a good choice after all. That's awesome. Yeah, the American college feel, I'm sure, kind of resonates throughout the Maritimes and the East Coast up there. Because if Did you do any traveling down into the U.S. at all when you were there, living there? Not a lot as part of volleyball. Um, yeah. Not a whole lot, but definitely, yeah, there's, there's some interconnections there for sure. Yeah, it's a cool place on the East Coast out there. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. And then, so, obviously, you're a great... Uh, athletic fit for that program um what was it in terms of academics what were you interested in and you know when did you kind of develop uh, an idea of what you wanted to pursue academically yeah so um great question i i moved or i was accepted into their nutrition program actually surprisingly enough um and i completed about um i want to say almost uh, six months to a year of the nutrition program. I can't remember specifically how much. Um, but yeah, maybe just to rewind a little bit, um, my, uh, you know, academic, sort of uh, academic career up until university was really focused on 
you know, I was in all AP classes, so advanced placement classes, and um, really focused on getting academic scholarships as well as um, athletic scholarships. And I was accepted into their nutrition program because that's sort of where my interests lie at the time. Mm -hmm. In retrospect, um, you know, and as part of what we'll talk about probably, um, you know, a little bit later, is that I really did feel pressure at the time to just pick a program and complete the program in four years and, and like not waste any time. And I kind of just went into the nutrition program and felt like a bit of a fish out of water. Like yeah. I was trying to balance a full, cor full course load. So that's five courses on top of the you know, my volleyball schedule. Um, and it really was a little bit overwhelming in my first year. So I ended up switching into um, arts and specifically focusing on psychology and then eventually graduating with um, an undergraduate degree in psychology. So yeah, oh, that's incredible. Yeah. That's the path that I took. And um, you know, funnily, funny enough um, here, I find myself however many years later back in the nutrition field. So it's a bit of a full circle thing, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with how it turned out, I guess, in terms Absolutely. of my education there. Right. Like the variety of experience you get kind of shapes you as a person you are. And, you know, if you come, come back to nutrition and fall in love with it again, that's, that's definitely, you know, power to you. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so going through high school, like obviously getting good grades was an important thing, you know, especially you want to take that next step to the college level. Uh, was there pressure put on you or like, was it it's kind of a self-inflicted pressure that you put on yourself to get those grades and, you know, pass those AP classes and, prepare yourself for the best opportunity? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, I, it's hard to say. I think that for the most part, it was self-inflicted pressure. Um, you know, in looking back, I don't ever feel as if my parents were like really, you know, forcing me into taking all AP classes or whatnot. Um, so definitely it was probably um, self-inflicted. I was very motivated to, um, to get into university and the university of my choice. So, oh that was like a, you know, really motivating force in terms of achieving the grades. But um, yeah, I think, you know, in retrospect, um, and maybe what I can, you know, bring in terms of advice to your podcast and to your listeners is just a little bit of insight into, uh, I guess, you know, in looking back, all of the pressure that I was putting on myself at that time to be a top performing athlete, um, you know, a top performing student, get the grades, be the best on the team. You know, it was just a lot, get into the university, um, talk to all the recruits, play volleyball year long. Like it was just a lot going on at the time. Yeah. Um, and I think definitely some self-inflicted pressure that maybe wasn't necessary or, you know, needed at that time. Um, I started at that time to deal with a lot of anxiety and, um, you know, that manifested itself in some negative patterns for me, um, you know, in, in moving into university. And so, yeah, yeah I think, you know, um, juggling that process for many student athletes is something that really needs to be addressed and is very important to, to look at. For sure, because it's something that you don't really know what you're going through at the time, especially at that young age, right? And uh, I was talking to Rob Shaw, I've had him on the podcast a couple of times now, but you know, his getting his input on this kind of the sports psychology, you can call it a performance psychology. Uh, he brought up a really good point in the fact that if you're once you're like in 
as a, an athlete and you're, you're a high-end athlete and you have all these things coming at you like that, there's really no outside force that you can go and talk to to get, you know, uh, a different perspective on. You can go to your coach. It's still, it's like, they don't really know exactly what's going on, but it's, it's sport related, their feedback, sport related parents, kind of same thing. But for, you know, it's one of those things you don't know where to reach out outside of the sport. I resonate with that, that, or that resonates with me so much because that's exactly how I felt at the time. Um, You know, your coaches are definitely focused on performance and, you know, reaching the next level and winning titles and this and that. And then your teachers are focused on helping you get the grades, but you're right. I really didn't feel at that time that I had an outlet and someone to help sort through um, the anxiety that I was feeling. And just for, you know, a little bit more context, um, you know, for your listeners, it was at that time sort of, you know, as I mentioned during that, those years, the 16, 17, 18, well, I guess 18, maybe not 18, but grade 11 and 12 through those years, um, that I really started to deal with incredible amounts of anxiety, mostly self-inflicted. And then how that manifested for me personally was in some really disordered body image issues and eventually in some like disordered eating, um, you know, practices and disordered eating patterns that were really unhealthy for me. And, um, you know, it's, it's something that's not easy to talk about, but I do think that a lot of uh, female athletes particularly deal with that type of pressure. Um, you know, in, in retrospect and in education, I can see that for me, um, you know, those behaviors were uh, a result of a lot of displaced anxiety. And you're right, I didn't have the education or the knowledge or the outlet at the time to understand what was going on. It was just like, it was happening and, you know, yeah. So, so yeah, that's, you know, part of my story, I guess. And um, one thing that's really important, I think, particularly for female athletes, um, you know, to have that outlet and to have that, that, you know, that someone or that way of dealing with that, that pressure and anxiety. Absolutely. I think it's, you know, after talking to Rob about this and, you know, hearing your story, it's, to me, it's something that I think even schools should look at in terms of, you know, getting the counselors and people more involved with the sports programs in general. Everyone kind of thinks and assumes that these athletes are, you know, they're on a pedestal and they're doing the right thing. They're, they're driven, but there's a lot of unknown that you don't really know. And especially if you're not, you know, the type of person to kind of go ask for help or ask people how they're doing in general, it can start manifesting itself in different ways. And then at next, at that point, you're at a tipping point, right? And then you don't know what's going on and how to balance it and really fundamentally how to change your way of thinking. Yeah. And I think that you make a good point there too. I think that for a lot of athletes, there's, and especially when you're um, competing um, at, in high level sport, there's almost a perfectionist attitude that a lot of athletes have or perfectionist type personality. So um, I know that was very true for myself where you want to be top when you're a competitive person and a perfectionist in nature, you want to be top performing in all assets and facets of your life. And yeah, there, there really needs to be, you know, some sort of outlet. I mean, I always felt like I had my parents and like you said, coaches and that type of thing to talk to, but I just don't even think there was enough known at that time about a, how much pressure, you know, these athletes and I was under 
and be maybe just not a lot of information about anxiety in general and you know how that manifests itself in the student athlete and how to deal with it and the only way to really learn about it is for you to kind of go out and seek that help right and there's not a lot of resources being provided at least during our time in, in that sense uh, but yeah. now that you, through conversations like this that hopefully people can hear and realize that it's okay. Like I went through a ton of anxiety too that I never realized was anxiety and manifested right. itself in, in different ways. Um, but now yeah. I have a little bit of a toolbox that can help cope with some of these things and develop a new way of thinking. Um, and, but it took me years after, after I was playing and going through that transition, which I definitely want to uh, talk to you about as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, so much unknown but at the end of the day, you're there to compete and you're there to do your job. And you have, if you're on a team, you know, people to look after as well. So were you the captain of the, these high school teams in the, um, the club team as well? No, I was never the captain actually of either of the teams. Um, our setter was our captain. Uh, you know, the setter in volleyball is usually sort of the person that's calling the plays mm -hmm. and kind of, um, they're the ones that are kind of directing the court. So in most cases, it was always our setter that was okay. the captain. Um, you know, in terms of, uh, of awards, I did usually take the MVP award at the end of the season, but I was never actually the captain of the team. So That's awesome. Yeah, well, let's highlight that too. You got the rookie of the year in your first year at, at yeah. San Francisco. Yeah, that was a really defining moment for me. Um, you know, St. FX, our volleyball team, um, in moving out there and playing for the team, it was never a huge accolade award-winning team. Mm -hmm. um, so the team, when I, when I showed up there, was quite young. We had a coach transition that was really unexpected. Um, the coach that actually recruited me out there was... was that must fired. have been a crazy situation, too. Yeah, I basically Talk showed up... Talk about anxiety. Yeah, yeah I, talked, I showed up on campus and was like, oh, that coach isn't here anymore. This is your new coach. So that was kind of um, surprising. But in any case, it was a young team, and it just really... Um, we never really hit our stride in terms of being, uh, you know, award-winning first-place team um, throughout my years playing. Um, which is okay because not every team is going to, you know, be the first place team, but a real defining moment in my volleyball career in university was winning rookie of the year. It just felt really good to, you know, get that reassurance and that um, positive reinforcement on my level of play in post-secondary. Sure. Yeah. It's a hell of an award to win. I mean, anyone that wins MVP or, or rookie of the year is doing the right thing. So, yeah. uh, but so let's go back into um, that experience and kind of what you would tell a young Kenzie, if you could go back and, you know, what are some of those options that you can look for uh, in terms of figuring out what's going on basically? Yeah. Great question. So um, I guess number one would be uh, as you prefaced in, in my intro, a real focus on self-care. I, I just don't even think it was something that I thought about at the time because I was so motivated to achieve and move on to the next level. Well, with um, that too, and would you agree with this? The fact that you know, a lot of the self-care is like injury prevention or healing from injuries, a physical thing. Absolutely. I think self-care comes down to three, um, there's three sort of pillars in my mind of you know, what self-care looks like. I think it looks like physical health. So as you'd mentioned, um, you know, taking care of your physical being and what that means is taking the time to rest, um, recover from injury, taking the time to check in with your body. Like, do I need a workout today? Do I need to take some time to recover today? Um, and along with physical health comes nutrition, which is something that I'm so passionate about. And I 
I don't even think at a young age, we really put together how um, connected our nutrition is to our performance and to our, our overall health um, in general. So focusing on nutrition, um, I think the second pillar to self-care is mental health. So, you know, as we just touched on, where am I at mentally? Um, how are my anxiety levels? What am I doing to decompress? Mm -hmm. I, I just like, that wasn't even in the picture for me back then. I just didn't even, you know, I just didn't even think about taking time off or like checking in mentally with myself. Where am I at? How am I feeling? Do I need a day to just like not play volleyball and yeah. you know take some time away? And be okay um, so, with that, right? And not and okay break yourself that. down. And Exactly. So mental health, such an important aspect of self-care. And then thirdly, I think, um, you know, spiritual health is something that a lot of us don't really think about. Um, and, and, and when I say spiritual health, a lot of people's minds just jump to like a religious practice or something like that. But when I say spiritual health, I mean like checking in with, you know, meditation or taking some time to like, really go inside and like, what are my goals? What am I doing this for? Um, you know, is this for me? Uh, you know, that type of thing. So having an outlet that isn't sport or academic based is something mm -hmm. that I think is one of the, you know, another really important aspect of self-care. Yeah. The, the meditation piece is something that I haven't really got into. I've heard, ton I mean, you always hear about the benefits and I do firmly believe that once you have the patience to go through the process and you know take it step by step and crawl before you can walk kind of thing that avenue of self-care and meditation is I think a, a huge piece that I've been missing in my entire life um, but it can lead to so many benefits of just having time to think for yourself let those thoughts you know marinate and at the end of the day that voice in your head will guide you in the right direction Absolutely. And as it applies to anxiety and, and the pressure that athletes feel to be so top performing, I think that having a meditation practice or something to connect with spiritually is something that, you know, can just really keep you grounded and keep your, keep your focus. So it's uh, until I completed my holistic nutrition um, education, it wasn't something that I ever even thought about, but yeah. now I think it's really is part of a well-rounded like self-care practice in, as a whole it seems to be like there's a lot more tools out there too i mean on instagram you can scroll i'm we're talking meditation right now i'm sure i'll be hit with some advertisements about meditation platforms but there are ways to go about seeking you know help and advice and just someone that you can kind of listen to that their voice resonates with you and let them guide those meditations like we have the peloton app now and we'll spend at least an hour a day kind of thing, just letting those play throughout the day. And I think it's extremely important just to have that in the background. And I'm, I'm trying to take that first step into meditation. Yeah, there's so many, I mean, I think it's more research is done into like the healing effects and how it can actually boost your performance, um, exactly. you know, athletically. I think there's, you know, and, and just as it applies to even regular non-athletic or, you know, non-athletes, um, there's so much research into like how it can change your life. And I think it's a really big and up and coming thing. So for sure. Yeah. yeah. So before we talk about the clean by Kenzie, uh, let's talk about that career transition that you had coming out of volleyball. Um, it's obviously an identity that you hold on to your, your entire life. You know, that that end of the gate or end of the season is coming at some point, but there's really, so what did, how did you prepare yourself? I guess in terms of coming to grips with that days finally coming. 
So in short, I didn't prepare myself and I was completely unprepared for what it would feel like to not play volleyball. Um, You're 100% right. And I'm sure you probably felt this at some point along your journey as well. You know, the hockey or volleyball stops and you're kind of going like, you're right. This is who I am. Like everything about it, right? Everything about it from the time that you were 13 until the time, you know, you graduate university every, every day, every out, you know, you're, you're involved in the sport, all of your friends, you know, are on the volleyball team. Um, you know, even something as silly for me, you know, I, like I said, I'm six foot one. So people comment on my height all the time and they'll say, you know, they would say, Oh my God, you're so tall. And I would be like, well, yeah, I'm a volleyball player. Yeah. And then they'd be like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Right. Like you play, but like after volleyball is over, you can't be like, yeah, I'm a volleyball player. That's why I'm so tall. Like even my, like that to the core of me was volleyball. So, um, you know, volleyball ended and I had like almost an identity crisis. I was just like, who am I? Like, what do I want to do? Um, and I think also in, in, um, you know, being that we weren't a high ranking team, you know, it dawns on you at some point that there's nowhere to go with volleyball after post-secondary. Yeah. So, of course, you can look into coaching or playing in a women, women's league, which I did um, in Calgary as well. But it's not like, you know, you spend your whole life working towards getting to the next level, to the next level. And at that point, you're like, okay, this is the top level. So I'm not going to go play on the Olympic team. I'm not going to go you know, play for Team Canada, like this is it. And it's so it just dawns on you all of a sudden. And then that moment comes. And it was a really hard transition for me. So, you know, I was just kind of like, maybe, you know, now this is over. And I don't know what I do, what I'm what I want to do. Maybe I should have focused more on my grades. Maybe I, you know, maybe volleyball wasn't what I was supposed to be doing this whole time. And, you know, of course, again, in retrospect, that's ridiculous because I feel like it has shaped the person that I am and the choices that I've made and where I've ended up now. But yeah, it was a really hard transition for me um, from being an athlete to not being an athlete anymore. It's one of those things that every athlete goes through, right? So mm-hmm. the more you kind of talk about and prepare for that that day, uh, for me, it was injury that ended up, like, I decided that, that was it for me. My body's done. Uh, but it was a choice that I could make, right? And obviously getting into like a men's league right after is something that I can hold on to the sport, but it took me a few years to finally get shake that, you know, that hockey identity that, you know, I was, that's all I knew beforehand. Right. So exactly. Um, in those yeah. early days coming out of like that transition, like who did you turn to for guidance? Was it a coach? Was it an academic advisor? Was it your sister? Was it your parents? Yeah, I would say definitely family um, is who I leaned on in terms of, you know, uh, that transition. My, my sister, uh, she played for a couple of years with Mount Royal and then, um, worked for a couple of years. She eventually went back, um, to play for them again and win a national title with them, which was incredible. But she, so at the time that I was ending my volleyball career, she was also, uh, had transitioned into just working full time and trying to figure out what she wanted to do with her life. So I definitely leaned on her, um, at that time for guidance. But for me, um, what it took to fully sort of move on and grasp that I was moving on to a different part of my life was a move. So I moved then from Nova Scotia to Vancouver. That's another big thing. It's right. Like you have that four years of set school and you get 
to know Auntie Ganesh. And the next thing you know, it's like, I, do I even want to be here anymore? You know, what is, right. what is my next step? Yeah. So I, I essentially just made a clean break. Um, I did spend some time in Lethbridge before I made the move out to Vancouver to sort of decide what my next move would be. Um, but I just found it really healing to have a, to have a change of scenery. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think my advice to be to any athlete that's, you know, going through that transition and kind of having that sort of identity struggle is just to make a new goal for yourself whether it's small, large, whether it's ac academic, career-wise, what's my next move? And then slowly start to take the steps to execute that next move and just have something else to focus on. Yeah, find a new passion. Find a new passion. Find a new passion. Yeah. Passions that you have. Yeah. Is it echoing? A little bit, yeah. Is it? I wonder what happened there. It sounds all right now. Oh, uh, no, I think it's good now. Okay. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, so going through that transition, then obviously you got to find a new passion, build yourself back up. What, and that, that probably led into the clean by Kenzie, but what were some of the things that you uh, used to build yourself back up and how did you kind of get over that? Or how'd you recognize that you had, you know, there's anxiety manifested and now you're probably had a full blown panic attack trying to figure out what the next move is. Uh, but what were some of the things that allowed you to move on and find the healing process? So throughout university, um, I did deal with, you know, the, um, as we touched on anxiety, I had some body image issues that needed to be dealt with. Um, the way that my anxiety manifested itself, again, was in sort of a disordered eating patterns and that type of thing. So that was something that I had to deal with throughout my university, my time in university. Mm -hmm. um, who I relied on and what I relied on to get through that was... Um, first of all, education. So educating myself on anxiety and why I was going through what I was going through and then also counseling. So yeah. I sought out counseling um, throughout university um, and leaned on counselors to help. I essentially just, again, I, I didn't understand anxiety when I was younger. I didn't even know it was a thing. Yeah. And so just kind of um, recognizing my triggers and then um, putting myself in positions where I wasn't, I didn't have to deal with those triggers or I knew how to resolve and work through them was huge for me. Um, and then, yeah, so I, I would say, you know, the main things for me were finding a new passion, um, leaning on family and support systems and, and educating myself on, you know, what I was going through and that those things really helped me to move on and, um, you know, seek new goals and, and, yeah. you know, move on from the sport, I guess. Create a new identity. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you're, you're, at the end of the day, you're still young, you're 20, 22 kind of thing. So it's like, yeah, you know, you're really just getting into that second phase of your life and you know, putting that, that, uh, ending to that chapter right there. Uh, but you know, from experience with count, my personal experience with counselors too, it, again, I've never been to one, but then I finally go to one and it's like, I could, they're like, okay, well tell me what the problem is. And then they're really good at active listening. So they just go silent. So then you, you just start talking and that's where you kind of figure out what comes out of your mouth is what's going on in your brain. Right. So that kind of allows you to think things and hear things through. Uh, but for me, it's a lot of just self-talk and if they can guide that conversation down the right path, it can be a very powerful thing. Absolutely. And another huge thing is just recognizing that it's okay to ask for help. Like 
I think so many, there's sort of a stigma attached with, you know, oh, I, you know, seeing a counselor or working through some of these things. But the first step is just recognizing that you need help and talking through it. And it can be life changing. You know, like I said, just having that objective source and someone to listen to you that doesn't know anything about you and doesn't have any interest in what you're doing athletically, academically, from a family standpoint can be really transformative. Yeah, especially for the individual, because it just allows you to, uh, from my exercise, unload it. And the next thing you know, it's like, okay, well, now we have some things to work on and sort through. So Exactly. Exactly. No, that's incredible. So yeah, getting into building yourself back up and, um, you know, coming out of, so you went to Vancouver, hmm. uh, were, you, were you working now at this point? And yeah, so um, I wanted to explore my uh, master's in counseling and that's mm-hmm. why I went out to um, attend the University of, uh, sorry, Vancouver. I went to UBC for a semester. I did a diploma in, um, I, I was enrolled in the diploma in counseling. It was like basically the precursors to the master's. Um, At that time, I started working for a mortgage investment company and ended up just liking what I was doing. And they offered to promote me. And I I essentially just really worked my way up in um, the company in a short period of time. And that's where I ended up staying um, for the next, I guess, six years. So I followed that career back to Calgary. Yeah. And that's what I've been essentially up to for the last couple of years um, in moving here. Um, I didn't end up pursuing the master's in counseling, which might be something that I want to pursue in the future, or I haven't fully closed the door on that. I do really feel like that is a passion of mine um, to some extent, but yeah, this is where, that's where um, the, the career with the mortgage company took me back to Calgary. And um, yeah, that's, that's how I ended up back here, I guess. Beautiful Alberta. Yeah. It can't yeah. be. I don't think. Yeah. yeah, For well, me, it's, yeah go ahead. It's nice. I just, you know, it wasn't a hard decision to move back because again, um, all three of my siblings are in Calgary. My parents are still in Lethbridge. Um, so yeah, it was just an easy decision to move back to be closer to them. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. I bet the feeling I remember when I moved back, it was like the most incredible feeling would be, I could see my parents any, any day really. Um, I mean, obviously technology allows that to happen, but be, just being able to go and, you know, see them for a weekend is, I love it at this point. Yeah. I'm the only one here now too. So my parents, I get spoiled. My parents, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So then clean, clean by Kenzie's a, a business that you'd started. Um, obviously from your personal experience, you feel like you can add a lot of value to uh, other females in a similar situation and, you know, hopefully guide people down paths that they can find a lot of reward out of. Absolutely. Um, yeah, a little bit of context into that. I, you know, I turned 30 and it was kind of another transitionary. I, I don't know if you felt this when you turned 30, but it was another sort of transitionary period in my life. I kind of, at that point went, is this what I want to do career wise for the rest of my life? Is this something that I'm passionate about? And I, I think it's important to note that I think that these transitions happen throughout life. That's been oh, yeah. kind of an eye-opening thing for me. So, you know, the transition from a high-level athlete to university, then the transition from university to post-university life. These are all, you know, pretty profound moments in time. And for me, I had another one of those sort of profound moments when I turned 30. I kind of just went like, what do I want to do? And, um, you know, in being in, in going through what I went through as an athlete, um, 
I think that my passion for nutrition and wellness is, was re-sparked at that time. And so I um, enrolled in the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition in the Calgary branch. And I completed my um, holistic uh, nutrition education. So I'm, my designation is a certified holistic nutrition consultant. And um, I guess, yeah, my, it just feels really full circle because this is what I set out to do in university and then kind of got overwhelmed with the experience. And then, you know, here I am 10 years later going, you know, this really was a calling for me. And it took that time to rediscover it. Um, but yeah, a little more about, about my business. Essentially, um, the way that I differ from like a typical dietitian is that my approach is a holistic approach to wellness. So what that means is that it's, um, you know, holistic, I guess, um, as a def definition is a more well-rounded approach to, to health. So it's all encompassing, mm -hmm. um, you know, it includes diet, nutrition, lifestyle factors, environmental factors, mental health, things that we already, you know, sort of touched on. Um, but for me, you know, rather just looking um, at health in terms of eat this or don't eat that, the holistic aspect is really looking at all aspects of our lives. So bringing it all together, um, you know, and helping people feel their best that way. It's one of those things too that I, I could just from reading your website, I learned a lot too. And, you know, taking that holistic approach is the way you should take things. You can't just, you know, one-off things, especially with nutrition. It's something that, again, I never really got into, but I do think if you can, you know, try different nutritional plans or different foods and all that kind of stuff, figure, figure out what works for you and then take that forward, extremely beneficial, right? Again, things you don't really think about and weren't really taught at a young age. Yeah. And I think as it, as it applies to up and coming athletes or athletes in general, I don't think that really there is a lot of education around how our nutrition and how we take care of ourselves really impacts our mental health. Yeah. As a, you know, in conjunction with our physical health, I think we think nutrition performance, but we don't think nutrition, mental health. And for me, that was the connection that was kind of missing at that time. So yeah, it's really just a, a more well-rounded approach to, to feeling your best. And I feel like I just made that connection now too. I've always thought of food and then performance, like input yes. output kind of thing. Right. But it's the, the mental piece that you can, and the train of thought and just the way positive creating positive outcomes and you know, positive thoughts will create those positive outcomes. So absolutely. And I don't think a lot of people understand the connection between how we're feeling our bodies and what we're putting in our bodies and how it affects our mental health. And they are so interconnected. And so that's part of the message that I'm trying to get out um, mm -hmm. through my platform is that, you know, for people that are, um, you know, looking to be a well-rounded athlete or a well-rounded person, there's so many aspects to our health. It's not just diet. It's not just exercise, it's diet, exercise, mental health, spiritual health, like all of these things come together to, you know, really have us feeling and performing our best. Absolutely. And going back to that conversation I had with Rob about this and, you know, he, he kind of walked me through what the difference between mental health and sports psychology and then ultimately performance psychology uh, or performance counseling even too. And that you don't really necessarily need a designation more or less it's your experience that you kind of rely on and can provide that feedback. So just talking to you and, you know, your background, I feel like you have all of these things, again, that holistic uh, piece that you're bringing to the table and a lot of people can benefit. So what type of uh, 
people do you deal with and how do you kind of go about, is there common themes that people come to you with and questions that then you kind of roll into different programs or is, are they coming from all walks of life and all different sorts of situations? Yeah. So I'm, as I mentioned before, I am pretty focused on female health. Um, and my platform is meant, um, in part to educate women on, um, you know, their nutritional choices and how it affects them mentally, physically. Um, In particular, I'm really focused on female hormonal health and gut health. And so there's just a lot of emerging research and really fascinating stuff, um, you know, connecting our hormonal balance as females to our mental health, um, as well as our gut health to our mental health. So these are things that are, you know, just really fascinating to me. And the typical clients that I see are women that are looking to make a change in their life. They're dealing with, you know, digestive issues or, um, you know, body image struggles. Um, you know, maybe they're looking for some guidance on how to, you know, how to eat essentially and how to feel their best, look their best. Um, so that's kind of the clientele that I'm dealing with and, and the women that I feel like I'm, I'm helping at this point. A lot of people probably going through that transition or a life transition that you're talking about, maybe just want something different and want to try something new and, and those kind of things. And having people like yourself develop these platforms is something that I think is awesome because otherwise you go to the yellow pages or go to Google and you get you know sent to big businesses kind of thing. Whereas this is a platform that's way more personal and you can identify with that person a lot more. Um, and then create that awesome relationship where it's that outlet that they have if, you know, they're focused on sports that now it's a different thing. Right. So you got a lot of opportunity ahead of you as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I deal, um, you know, my, my platform is one-to-one coaching. So mm-hmm. every client is a little bit different in terms of what they're looking for. Um, but essentially a lot of what I do is just rooted in educating on how, food choices, nutrition, and, you know, physical health all tie into our well-being as a whole and as a well-rounded person. So, you know, I spend a lot of time on my platform talking about why fad diets don't work for people, um, how they are, they negatively affect your, your mental health, about how over-exercising negatively affects your mental health and physical health. So I'm trying to, in a way, debunk a lot of the things that we've accepted as common knowledge and as fact when you know in fact there's a whole other facet to health and wellness that um, I'm trying to you know get out out to the the mainstream public and and educate so yeah and I think you mentioned earlier too it's just like small changes that you can make that end up leading to a change of a lifestyle as well right it's not going to happen overnight it's not going to you know your worries are going to go away it's it's something they have to work on every single day and I think as an athlete that's where you kind of take you kind of shine and understand that it's a process um, and you're there to work every day or you know whatever the the situation is but you're there for them throughout the entire process absolutely yeah yeah and and like you said everybody's different and everybody has something else that they want to work on or focus on but um, I think the main thing is just understanding the interconnections between our wellness as a whole and bringing it all into all together um, how that applies to athletes. And what I would say for up and coming athletes, I think is just tying in all elements of that, of that, all elements of our being um, in order to perform your best and, you know, function at, at such a high level and sustain that success over the long run. For sure. And you go through like developing those mental muscles and that mental dexterity, call it, 
and doing it through like through your athletics, that's just going to build you up to be a, a, ultimately a good leader, I think, and just lead by example. But if you can have those tools while you're going through, you know, the heat of the competition kind of thing, that's when I think you're really getting the benefit of developing those mental tools and mental health. Um, oh, definitely. Assets, right. Yeah. Yep. And like you said, going along the way and making small steps, it's every, every piece of the puzzle is another, you know, um, something in your toolbox that you'll have for a lifetime. So outside of sport, in your career, you know, just in your everyday life. Yeah, for sure. And so one of the cool things that I saw, I think the other day, uh, was they're talking about the vagus nerve that runs basically from your brain to that connects into your stomach and then how many neurons are actually in your stomach. Right. So things that, again, you don't really learn unless you go try to find that information. But if your stomach is, has more neurons, more neural networks than your actual brain, you'd have to imagine that your brain or your stomach is sending those messages up into where you uh, process thoughts and Absolutely. make actions going from it. Right. So that gut health is extremely important. It is so important. Um, love the, the reference that you made to the vagus nerve, because I do a lot of um, educating my clients on the gut mind connection. So yeah. When our gut health is suffering, whether that be through food allergies or a poor diet or indigestion, anything like that, our mental health definitely suffers as well. These are connections I didn't make when I was a student athlete. I just, you know, I just thought, I, I just didn't think of nutrition as being connected to my mental health. I just thought they were two separate things. But in getting back to the connection, um, up to about 70% of our neurotransmitters are produced in our gut. So that is like groundbreaking to me when you think about that. Our dopamine, serotonin, GABA, these are neurotransmitters that make us feel good, prevent depression, you know, keep us functioning at a high level mentally, and they're produced in our gut. So like you said, when we're having gut issues, when we're having imbalances or not treating ourselves right nutritionally, they're there's going to be suffering mentally. Absolutely. They're, they're, they're so connected on so many levels. And that's where you start maybe is that nutrition piece, right? If you aren't feeling well, like take a look at what you're putting into your body because at the end of the day, that's what you are. You can become, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Like that's step one nutrition. And like I said, sort of in those three pillars that I would call, you know, um, three pillars of, of our well-being. one being physical health and nutrition, the second being mental health and third being spiritual. And they're all interconnected in some way, shape or form. Yeah, exactly. You just got to listen to your body and listen to how everything kind of comes together. Yeah. Yeah. And take care of it as a whole. And like you said, it yeah. starts with small steps. So yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. So any other, uh, knowledge or wisdom that you'd like to impart on us today that we haven't kind of went over? Um, you know, I was thinking about like advice that I could give to up and coming athletes. Um, I think number one is that they're take it slow is kind of one of my top in retrospect. One, one thing that looking back, I wish I had considered there really isn't a rush. I was just always, you know, so eager to get to the next level and the next accomplishment. And I think slowing down and relishing what you're doing in the moment and the successes that you're having is so important. Um, for the, you know, the, the athlete that's also focused on academics, there are options for you. Um, I would always recommend to someone going into post-secondary to take a year of general studies because then you get to like sample a whole bunch of different classes in a whole different 
you know, different aspects of education and different subjects that you might not have considered. Yeah. Um, jumping two feet into the nutrition program for me was very overwhelming because A, I wasn't super set on it. I didn't know if that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And I think at 17 years old, how are you supposed to know what you want to do for the rest of your life? Right. So, um, you know, take it slow and you can take, you know, in Canada, you have five years of eligibility as an athlete. So if that means, um, you know, taking three courses a year or four courses a year and taking your degree over five years or six years, rather than taking a full course load and crunching it into four years. Um, I think that that's something that you should consider just take it a little slower and really take the time to figure out exactly what it is that you want to do. Yeah. Cause you, you have a, like you said, nutrition, I'm going to go be a nutritionist for the rest of my life, but you know, you haven't been taught other things that like philosophy or psychology catch something or a topic in one of those courses that can change your life. And at the exactly. end of the day, it's, if you like nutrition's always been there for you and then full circle, it's now it's back here again, but you have a variety of other, uh, things in your toolbox that you can use uh, to bring with the nutritional piece. Exactly. Like, ironically for me, it's where I've ended up at the end of the day. So maybe it would have been beneficial for me to just see it through, but you're right. I wouldn't have the life experience. I wouldn't have made the moves across the country. I wouldn't have the work experience. I wouldn't have the education and, you know, the retrospect and all everything that comes into, you know, making you who you are today. So I don't regret the path that's ultimately you know, led me here. Um, And then my, you know, aside from the second piece in terms of advice about the, you know, having a full faceted and multidimensional health and wellness approach, Mm -hmm. my, I guess, third piece of advice is actually for, for parents. I think that, um, you know, the parents of these student athletes, I, I would, you know, encourage them to, uh, you know, instill really strong role athletic role models in their children's lives. Yep. Um, so someone to look to that has a clear set of values and a clear um, drive athletically that, that has it together, that they can look to as a role model for, and whether that be someone in their life or even like a role model. I mean, for me personally, one of my um, strong female athletic role models, I always default to Serena Williams because I'm just like, you know, she is a powerhouse in all aspects. She's a wife. She's a mother. She's a top performing, one of arguably the best female athletes of our time. And she has that well-rounded approach. Like she's got a handle on all these different facets of her life. And so, yeah, instilling strong role models in, in female sport, I think is something that can't be overlooked as well. For sure. Do like the research to look at her background and figure out what kind of you know, the things that she had to go through to become the person she is nowadays. And it just shows you that, you know, if it's a struggle now and you, but you can get through it at the end of the day, it's going to better you as a person, right? Everything's not going to just be handed to you on a silver plate. It's going through the trenches. And, you know, if parents, like you said, if they don't have all the resources in the world or resources to them, they make it work knowing that it benefits their child and put them in touch with, you know, positive role models, or at least, you know, bringing up and recognizing certain things that are traits that these people have and and try to instill those in your, in your kid is imperative. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end of the day, um, you know, like we touched on before, just not being afraid to ask for help, whether that be academic counselors, athletic counselors, 
you know, people to help you deal with anxiety or someone that's just an objective, you know, third party that can just listen to your thoughts and tell you, you know, their take on it. That is something that is just invaluable, I think, to everyone, athlete or non-athlete aside. So for sure. Well, Kenzie, again, I appreciate you taking the time to do this and I will, uh, where, where can people find you online? Is it clean by Kenzie? Uh, yeah. So my website is uh, cleanbykenzie.com. And so you can find me there in terms of what I do um, with my coaching packages and just in general. And then um, on Instagram, my handle is cleanbykenzie. And I'm just constantly posting and educating about all things um, female health and wellness. Perfect. Yeah. Well, we, I'll make sure I post all those links in uh, on my social media posts and um, see if see what happens. But I do think that if, you know, any of the females that we're trying to onboard in, in the hockey sense, um, if we can add things to our platform our hockey, I platform like your platform to kind of work together in that sense, it's going to be something that we're looking to do. And we look to people like you that have all the experience in the world that can provide guidance for their next generation. So. Yeah. Well, I, again, I really appreciate you taking the time and, and um, asking me to come and talk about it because I really think that what you're doing is important um, you know, just in, in terms of providing the advice for the next generation, it's invaluable. And so thank you awesome. for your time as well. Yeah, perfect. All right, Kenzie, well, say hi to your family for me and I will. uh, we'll hopefully see you soon at another family event here in Calgary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>